You are listening to Conversations with Chris Marshall, where I sit down and talk to top real estate investors and professionals who work with investors to find out how to become a top investor. If you are interested in becoming a top real estate investor, then be sure to subscribe to the show and to tune in to new episodes so we can level up and start or scale to success in real estate investing. Welcome back to another episode of the Top Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Marshall, and on the show today is guest Seth Campbell, And what a great show. As someone who is making the transition into the commercial real estate investing world this year, I found a ton of benefit in this episode, in this conversation that I got to have with Seth. Um, We talk everything from his experience as a landlord to tips and advice on raising your first bit of capital needed to get that first deal. We talk about the different platforms and software tools, SOPs that you need to have. Uh, if you're going to be a commercial landlord. So yeah, definitely stick around for the episode. It's going to be great, especially if you're looking to transition into this specific segment or start out in this segment anytime soon. With that out of the way, let's get on with the episode. All right. Welcome to the show today, Seth. How's it going? Going great. Going great. How are you, Chris? Doing pretty well, pretty well. Uh, let's dive right into it. To start off, why don't you tell us and the listeners a little bit about yourself and what it is that you're actually focused on nowadays? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, we I technically am a uh, just a commercial real estate broker, um, salesperson licensed in the state of Nebraska. I work for CBRE, uh, now a corporate office. We turned into a corporate office um, I was one of the partners in the partner office that was bought in 2019. And so we kind of been doing that as a third party broker for 17 years and change. And so I've been married 20, 17 in the business, 17 and a half. Um, at the same time, my family's owned real estate in the Omaha, Nebraska area for about 50 years. And I run and manage about 600,000 square feet of industrial, retail, and office property in this sector. Awesome. And so that just 600,000 square feet in just Omaha. Just Omaha. Yep. K- kind of curious, like, do you know what percentage that is of the total market? That's availability? Um, believe it or not, Mark, I mean, Omaha is bigger than people think, but... Uh, it sounds like quite a. That, the truth a, is, I don't know the percentages. It's not as big as you think. We have probably about. Man, this is one of those things where, like, as a broker, I should know all of these aspects, but I'd have to look at my last report to get the overall market. There's about 62 million square feet of space in Omaha. Yeah. So, look, if we all knew the facts and figures that we're supposed to, right, do, right, right. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I can like look it up on a couple clicks of a thing. Yeah. Would it be? It would be disingenuous. I truth is, I don't know. I know the vacancy rates of the market. I think there's about 62 million, you know, in this sector of of my world. But um, it's a, still a very small percentage. It's about 15 or 16 buildings that we have. Yeah. 290 tenants that on the management side, and that we self manage, self doing the maintenance. A lot of uh, there's five or six of us that do that on that company side. So 290 tenants out of 12 buildings you said so 15 
and a team of five or six of you. Yeah, mm -hmm. called three maintenance guys and uh, executive assistant. I mean, well, how does that structure kind of look like from the management team? So you got the person, you know, someone's in charge of rent collection, sure. and someone's in charge of, you know, uh, repairs. Like, what, what's your guys' management structure look like? Well, it's fairly simple. And honestly, my my father ran this for 20 years by himself and with one man in a truck and him within another truck and doing all the maintenance himself, doing the stuff at night. You know, that was my growing up was if I wanted to go get lunch with dad in the summers, I was going to pick up weeds at the apartment buildings for you know four hours in the morning. So really at the end of the day, right now, the structure is fairly easy. I'm I spend a good amount of time on brokerage. I make the top down decisions on capital expenditures, things that need to be done, things that we need to make a group decision on. I have a maintenance supervisor that just knows everybody in town as far as the vendor lists and who we need to go to and does a lot of it himself and with his crew. Um, and Katie, my assistant, she's our, our lifeblood. She makes sure that everybody gets paid and that we're not in arrears and you know we just kind of keep on chugging we are we are expanding that a little bit we'll have two more this summer starting with us for some admin help and uh, another maintenance team just there, we've had enough um we have a couple other acquisitions we're doing in the next couple of days actually that we're just going to expand to a point where we just need a little bit a little bit more yeah that's awesome. A couple uh, acquisitions. Are you looking just talking about new buildings? You're bringing in some new build. Uh, yeah, we're closing on a you know our, our property. Our newest acquisition is a property we're closing on. It's about a twenty one thousand square foot nine bay, uh, twenty four hundred square feet a piece. Really rough shop space, but you know mm -hmm. in this market you're creating deals, right? So as in any market right now, um, the rents there. are, even for Omaha, it's, this is sub-market rents. They're at three bucks gross on the on the deal. So it pencils out to like 80,000 bucks a year, which is just crap. But at the end of the day, it's $60 what we're letting it, they were letting it go for. And uh, um, our appraisal came back with about $500,000 worth of equity walk-in. And mm. we have to re-rent the space and do a little bit of work over the next year. But with some IO and some creative financing, we were able to make the numbers work and really, you know, take advantage of that equity walk-in. So you, you're saying they are currently running that place out at $3 per square foot. Was that right? And you bought it yeah. at $60 a square foot. Right. Is that a uh, numbers regardless? Is that a pretty like normal way of, of kind of judging what, what's that work out to, um, to 20, 2%, 2%. Well, the way this is the way I looked at it at least was at three percent they're I think they netted or we we figured out they netted probably eighty five thousand dollars at a one point four ish million dollar sale that's like a four cap five cap which is yeah. which is ridiculous but the rents are so undervalued at a value in, in a re rental play and the lease yeah. is only about four or six months left on the term. With no options. So mm -hmm. the way we looked at it is at the end of the day, this is a six, seven dollar triple net space. We have the majority of the market within two blocks away from this building. We know what the market is because we set the market in that area and that small yeah. shop space. Um and for us, it's it's just like another storage unit with a heating unit in there. And 
it's the best type of people. It's the mom and pops. It's the car guys. It's the it's management intensive, but also, you know, handshake type people still in a world that just doesn't do that anymore. Yeah, that's awesome. So is that typically how you're I'm I'm a huge nerd for numbers, as a lot of real estate investors are. So I'm always curious, like about the the weird little ways that real estate investors calculate whether or not a deal could be good uh, for them. You know, um, I use this weird thing every ten thousand dollars that I was looking at for a single family rental property. I wanted one hundred dollars a month cash flow. That was one of my weird numbers. It's not really like a metric out there, a test that's known like the one percent rule. Is that kind of one of the ways that you do your analyzing? Yeah. And- clarify that for, for the listeners how that sure. works out um I, to the best of my ability without my spreadsheets in front of me but <laughs> basically at the end of the day i don't look at cap rates as much as how much cash i'm out versus the cost of the debt yeah um you know the last 10 years has been great because the debt's been as low as you know three and a half percent on a 20-year am with a swap over a 30 30 um to as bad you know right now is the worst loan i've gotten in 10 years is a six and a half, which is still the same loan that I got in 2007, making the same buildings work that I purchased in 2007 that we've just refinanced over 10 years. So end of the day, it's still free money. It's just the different way of doing it. So in this case, like any other, we just look on cash on cash is my biggest number. I want a 10 to 13% cash on cash over the first year. I want, um, I won't do it if it doesn't, if it's if the, if I can't get the financing and the down payment and the amortization to get me a ten percent or more, um, it's a no go for me. Yeah. Uh, now I do advise clients um, through CB on a regular basis, and, and you know everybody has their own different numbers and how they all calculate and invest in property. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of single tenant uh, investors that I work with, you know, they're looking at or my advice to them, depending on the point spread is a point and a half or 2% above what they can get money at. So if you can make, if you can get money at four and make two points or better on a single 10 asset, like a Walgreens or a Burger King is a bad example right now at the moment, but um, but any of those QSRs deal where you have a 15 or 20 year corporate lease deal, but you can make, you can make money over buying enough of them over a period of time that, you know, you have a long-term lease stream mm-hmm. it's just not usually for the 60 and under it's usually for the 60 and older crowd uh, a lot of doctors a lot of clients that are you know doctors or established businesses they just don't want part places to park cash that are making over the interest rates and right now that obviously that's harder because you're you're not getting an eight and a, eight and a half cap the supplier for the single tenant properties are 40 percent higher than they ever have been and the prices aren't going up because for whatever reason, or the prices aren't coming down off those numbers because the sellers haven't realized where yet where we're at. So we'll yeah. see if that, we'll see if that even happens. I don't know. Yeah. So are you guys worried about, you know, potential for recession, whatever, we've been hearing about it for months. Um, are you guys looking at like decline in vacancy rates for, or I guess increase in vacancy rates for that class of renter, the, the mom and pop, uh, entrepreneurs, um, is this anything that you're you're paying attention to forecasting for? Yeah, I mean, if you I think you follow some of my stuff, 
Invest the Midwest is a real thing. I think at the end of the day, if uh, if you want to find markets that are stabilized, even in and out of recessions, this is my, I don't know, third, arguably, recession that we may or may not be going into. Yeah. Uh, I was still a broker and I started as a broker in 06 and went through seven and eight, you know, went through COVID, went through everything before and after. So, you know, at this point, I've just been through, I've been through and seen it. So I just say, you know, Omaha, when the banks were at its worst, I think it was that 2014, 2015, when they kind of had a bank collapse in there, you know, Nebraska lost one bank. It was a bank in Sherman. It wasn't anything to do with what was going on. It was a bad loan for a small bank. You know, Colorado, I think, lost 42 or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just we're just a very conservative state and that's one of the reasons that we have our investments here as a as investment groups is because you know we can kick it and we know that omaha just doesn't have the ups and lows we're very very yeah. steady we don't have the you know we don't have the high appreciation but we don't have the lows either yeah no i, I agree with that is is that like an actual hashtag or something investment yeah with? that's that's one of the hashtags that- that is lie. great. I, I moved to Florida from Southeast Missouri two years ago. So like we, we sure. didn't have to worry too bad about all, all the, the big dips and the big yeah. uh, valleys, you know, and all this stuff. Um, I like that a lot. Uh, there's a lot of ways. There's a lot of questions I've got already because this is my journey right now is I'm, I'm moving into the commercial real estate space this year. That's my goal. Get my first commercial real estate space. I had my first one a few years back. And we were going to flip it. The building ended up collapsing and we had to tear it down and sell it. But I wasn't no, going to, wasn't going to get into a de- new development in a commercial space back there in Southeast Missouri, but um, sure. yeah. So now I want to try to get more into that space. So my question for you is how are you raising the money to purchase these new acquisitions? Is this just now you're at a pot with, with, you know, soon to be over 300 units available. Are you at a spot where your company is just every year or two, you have enough money sitting aside being generated and and you can just go and purchase the next one or how, how do you raise funds? Um, well, because I'm rich as fuck, Chris. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the reality here is, is there's several ways to answer that question. One is, depending on the different LLC, whichever one is active that we're looking at, or I'm representing as a third party broker. Um, I've done, we've done everything from raising funds to going with, you know, the five or six guys on the golf course, asking to see who's got disposable income and you're good with them because you know them, your college buddies with them. I always recommend you take the 60% or 50% of the deal and then farm out the rest on a smaller limited deals and put an LLC together. Um, done that, been there. Don't love partners if I don't have to have them. Um, I have family partners that are, my family has been invested in all aspects of the world right now and as far as in Omaha goes, um, from cousins to grandmothers. So I've been very fortunate on that step up in it. Um, and even to this day, I've got six brothers and sisters and their families and my father and, and, and my uncle and everybody's invested in, in what I'm doing. So mm-hmm. that helps us on, to act quickly and on our side there. But I've got several clients where we put in 
whether it's LPs, syndications together, whether it's actually putting the book together, you know, selling off units, which is a total waste of time and not as much money as you think it would be in there. And it's a lot of, it's a lot of, com it's just complication and a lot of attorney fees, right? So you, yeah. you can do all that. I still recommend the five guys in the golf course routine. Like if you got three or four good guys, they're 30 years, 30 to 40, they're in their one to $3 million range of net worth. You, you're ready. You're ready to start doing something. If you have a couple hundred thousand dollars, you can part with 50 to a um, hundred thousand of that, but three to five guys in a deal. As long as you're the general manager, a general partner, you know, it's always nice to have the real estate guy, the finance guy, the attorney guy, you know, the insurance guy, and then the angel hair guy that doesn't care. You know, it's always nice to have those five aspects of a partnership that come together and can build off each other rather than having one person run it at all because of his expertise necessarily. So I, I I like getting those those types of things together to put, you know, see if we can all help each other in in referring business, but at the same time as investing in what I know and yeah. moving forward. Hey, let me cut in here real fast. I'm Chris and I'm the host of the show you're listening to right now. But I'm also the founder of a platform called Ari. You know how we as real estate investors struggle with switching between multiple tools and software to manage our investments? Well, Ari is here to change that. It's a start to finish real estate investment platform that streamlines everything from deal analysis to funding. We de-risk lending opportunities and help you build trust with lenders and partners using our investor confidence score. And guess what? We've got a special lifetime deal for select investors, our foundation partnership offer. This gives you lifetime access to Ari's powerful tools and early access to updates. Level up your real estate investing game and check out Ari today at www.ari.io. That is www.areii.io. Trust me, you will not regret it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, do you have any advice for those that might be looking to start raising for a commercial space? Um, how to approach those conversations? Maybe this is their first time, you know, approaching some friends. They know they got some some net worth. How would you approach that uh, first conversation? Yeah. Any advice? I, mean, I think you really have to do, I mean, the bottom line is you really have to do one. Mm -hmm. Do one, prove the, prove your concept, just like any cost of good or any proof of concept yeah. with any product that's out there. Real estate is just another product. Yep. So what you're, what you're proving to everybody is one, you can do it. Here's the way we did it. Here's the documents we used. Here's the starting return after year one, after year two, here's the ending return. Do you want in on the next one? And that's just an easier conversation. Yeah. That first one, it's just, do they believe in you? Yeah. And that's the reality is you can prove anything until you, you want to them on paper or with real estate, but if they're not familiar with the way it works, they're just looking to you to tell them, what are you going to get? Are you they not going to lose their money? And are you willing to take that burden on as you're, as, as the person putting, putting that together? Yeah. Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of weight on shoulders when you're asking somebody who has 500 grand or a million dollars to their name 
and you're asking them to invest a couple hundred thousand dollars with you and you're assuring them that this is going to make seven to ten percent a year or at least they're not going to lose their ass and so and i and there's a lot that goes into that and uh trust me anytime that i have a deal go bad i have to go to thanksgiving and hear it from family members and it's not as not as hard or not as easy as just pushing off something that you don't like and which yeah. is another rule. Don't ever get in business with something you don't like. Um, yes. And so early he said, you know, keep 50, 60% of, of the deal as a, as for being the GM on it. And then, so are you saying we're raising 20% of the, the purchase price of this warehouse or storefront, whatever it is, uh, we're going to go finance the other 80%. Those people who are bringing in the down payment, that 20%, they're getting 40 to 50% of the deals up. Pretty standard. Yeah, I mean, I guess here's I've I've had enough run-ins with 50-50 partnerships that don't work. Yeah. And so if you want to, I don't know if it necessarily you have to have 50%, 60%. I guess what I meant by that is you have to be general partner in the partnership, no matter how much yeah. money you put in, because you put it together and you're taking the viability for it. But if you don't have the the most amount of money invested in it, then why mm. would anybody make you general partner? Yeah. At the end of the day, uh, I want it. I want it, and I don't see. I wouldn't expect anybody else that if I didn't on every investment that I make with somebody or that I ask somebody to buy, if out of my mouth isn't, "Hey, I will put money in this with you because I I think the investment is that good." Why is somebody else going to general partner with you who have five thousand dollars in it, and they're they're really taking they're putting the in one hundred and five? Yeah, they're, yeah. yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're taking the brunt of the risk. You know, whether that's five hundred thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars. It. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. If you're not, if you're not taking the risk, the dollar amount that you're investing is the risk that you're willing to put into the deal. Yeah. Perfect. Um. Back to some of the management side, are you guys using any tools or software to kind of help maintain all of this stuff? I, I love to get the software, especially for the people that are managing properties. What software do you use to kind of help facilitate all that stuff? Sure. Um, now, I do have to make a disclosure somewhere in here. CBRE yeah. and management are two different things. And CBRE, yeah. I do not speak on CBRE on any public deal. Uh, I'm based on what I use for my personal assets through yeah. management. We use Appfolio. Okay. Uh, it's been really good for us in this market. Um, it's not great on some cam rollback and some of the net charges rollback. It's fantastic for modified gross, gross, and apartments. Um, there's some things that, that that could be done to make it better. But all in all, it's an affordable product that puts a a decent amount of reporting out to, to be usable. Gotcha. Um, I think for the most part, you know, there's also Yardy out there that a lot of my friends use. Um, and that's a pretty big name. It's been around for a long time, but I think since I think Microsoft ended up buying Appfolio or Salesforce or one of the two, um, Appfolio is pretty big and can handle a lot now. Uh, they've been, it's been really good. It's all cloud-based phone apps, tablet-based. I mean, mm -hmm. you don't even have to have anything stored or clouded anymore, which is really nice. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anything else? Does Appfolio handle like the rent collection um, for tenants and all of it? Yeah, there actually is a uh, a part of Appfolio that one of the parts that actually is the reason that we looked into it 20 years ago or 15 years ago when it came out was it was probably one of the first that we could that we at least saw that was paying online the tenant could portal into a tenant portal submit a work order so through the tenant portal that they have only access to is a work order system that allows us to keep track of when they submitted the maintenance request when they paid when the late fee came in and then through the accounting software it goes directly into the accounting software there is no you know, entering the check, entering the rent, and moving forward, there is, it receives it, enters it, collates it, and it's done. It, the accounting is basically done. All you have to do is enter bills. Mm -hmm. um, and even in that, Appfolio has a service where you basically can send them your bills once a month, and they'll update it all for you for an extra charge, of course. Yeah. So yeah. depends on how, how far down the rabbit hole, I guess, that you really want to get. Gotcha. All right. Um, you, you mentioned earlier that like because you're so hyper focused there on in Omaha, and it sounds like even a, a specific subsection of Omaha, um, you kind of got a really good pulse on the market because you can kind of create the market. Or how how do you leverage that to find potential deals in your area? Yeah, I mean, the realize Omaha is a, a million people, so the 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 whole sec subsector is. Omaha. Um, mm -hmm. The reality is, what I what I kind of do is at this point is the. I feel like Omaha is just like any other Midwest city, and what I found out through, you know, twenty percent of my business is probably outside of Nebraska. So whether it's Iowa, Texas, you know, representing buyers and investors in other markets. There's a familiarity oriented with you know with within the Midwest. When I get to California, most of the time that I'm seeing even Florida, and I like Florida a lot. We we vacation there a lot. I got that going. But we've got investors that come in from California to Omaha, even Florida to Omaha to some extent. Um, and they're just looking for the peace of mind because they're so tired of the ups and downs. Um, and that's really kind of how we're hope did that answer your question at all? A little bit. Is there any like interesting ways that you find new acquisitions, the new, the new deals? Sorry, yes. Through your pipeline. You know, um, no, there's no interesting ways that I find new deals. The, the nice thing about being in a CB office in a large office like this is everybody's chirping, always talking, or you're always out. I gotta, I'll be honest, I'm a huge golfer. I stink at golf, but I enjoy being out and networking is probably, it's just one of my biggest attributes as whether that's being online, connecting with people like yourself or just connecting with, and that's allowed for more worldwide and, and nationwide conversations. But mm -hmm. the reality is it's just the good old blocking and tackling like they taught in every sales pitch school since the nineties. You gotta be out there. If you're not out there, you're forgotten. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, if you're not seen, you're not heard. Um, and that's the reality. So any more people know what kind of properties now that that I like as a buyer, that my client pool, if you will, likes. So 
we'll get brought in to, hey, this is probably your property. Can we work something out? And uh, nine times out of 10, we bought it that way. Um, probably 10, 15 years ago, it was more or less me making a lot of calls on, on for lease buildings. Um, most of the for sale buildings, people are overpriced anyway. But if you call on something that's not for sale, it's for lease. You know, we probably tagged about eight or nine buildings that way and being able to kind of manufacture something. Nice. Um, we spoke about the, you know, potential for uh, vacancy rate increase um, with the potential recession. Are there any other trends that are, you know, happening in the industry and the, the economy that you're paying attention to that might affect your investing? You know, I think the interest rates affect us all. Yeah. Um, that, that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing and watching is the Fed continually, continually in my mind to ignore what everybody else is trying to tell them to do um, and then inflation. And I think on a macro level that, you know, when your inflation is at eight, nine percent and they're chasing the rabbit to try to get those interest rates to a point where, you know, we're in line. I understand it, but like those type of things are what kills the broker and not only the broker, but it, it just kills, it dries up the money for the banker. You're killing millions and millions of dollars worth of industry here just because you're chasing an inflation rate that frankly is probably not attainable right now. Hmm. Uh, so I'm hoping, I personally, I'm hopeful that in the next, I just keep saying in the next 18 months, but I, you know, I'll probably push that to the next 12 months. I think we'll see a plateau on interest rates. And once we mm -hmm. see that initial plateau, we're going to see a lot more problems than we see um, money opening because banks are such a, at a halt right now. You could go to ABC Bank, who you've been banking with for 20 years, and they're going to quote you 7%. You could go to, you know, RBS Bank. Hopefully there's no RBS banks out there, but uh, we can, you can go to so, you know, so another said bank and they'll quote you, you know, 6% and then anywhere in between. It's it's just depends right now on where the banks, what their appetite is individually. Yeah. Um, we haven't had that since probably 2006, 2007. Um, and when the banks are afraid to make loans, that makes it a very interesting market. The cash is about, in my opinion, the cash has become fairly dry and about dried out now. So we're not seeing buyers with a lot of cash in 1031s right now anymore. We're seeing a lot of um, a lot of wait and see money and a lot of people in need of, of help, uh, whether that's foreclosures or knowing that that next interest rate or that next loan basically makes their property not work. Yeah. Um, and that's been honestly where a lot of listings right now have come from is just trying to help people out of vacant space or uh, buildings that they just don't need anymore. Yeah, that's great. Um, let's see. I think that's pretty much all the questions that I really had. Um, last two questions. Was there any questions that you think I should have asked that I just didn't, I forgot about, um, anything like that? No, you're pretty good at this. Um, 
it's fairly easy to get me talking so it doesn't it doesn't that probably helps a good cause there um no i mean i at the end of the day um brokers like to do like to tout what they've done yeah. so you may want you may want to and or lead with a portion of that of hey what uh what deals are you most proud about or what deals are not necessarily most proud but what deals were a good complex complex deal that you walked us through that we could spend four or three or four minutes on that we could have a deal do you, do you have a deal that you're proud of complex deal yeah no i mean no? yeah i got i got plenty of deals but the, guy, the last thing you want me to go into is deals <laughs> that, that we've done over the last 20 well, years what's What's your favorite deal you've done? We don't have to like dive into the whole the whole thing, but like, was it a favorite deal? I'm trying to whitewash it because I kind of gotta protect the innocent. But um, my favorite deal was I transferred at closing two keys on a ten thirty one, and they just swapped the property. Wow, which was pretty cool because I hadn't done that before. Yeah. And there was a vacant office building for a um i think it was a family dollar and they just walked away from closing no cash exchanged hmm. just did the paperwork retitled it and we're done that's pretty it was, cool yeah that was pretty cool yeah so uh, both parties then wanted to basically just wanted each other's properties and they just need yeah that. one one preferred developer had hmm. a family dollar that was new and he also needed an office for his business, and this gal guy had an office space that was just recently vacated. And Bob's your uncle. Nice, awesome. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Is there any last advice that you would give to those that are looking to get started or scale? Probably more in the lines of those looking to scale into the commercial real estate space. Sure. Uh, my only thing would be to you know be patient. Um, the shortest career in commercial real estate and investing is the first worst deal that you do. So if uh, if it's not right, don't force it. If the interest rate's not right, don't get the loan. Mm. You need to. It needs to be right. You you only make money in commercial real estate on the buy. Everything else is fodder. Yeah, that's awesome. And lastly, where can people find out more about you, connect with you? Sure. Um, you know, I'm on all platforms. LinkedIn is uh, probably the easiest. It's Seth Campbell at LinkedIn. Uh, but I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. I'm, even on, I'm not on Twitter. It's the only one that I will not do because I just don't get it. But uh, I'm old enough to, to be yeah. on all these at this point. All right. Cool. Awesome. Seth, thanks so much for joining the call and giving so much value to the audience. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for tuning in to the Top Investor Podcast. If you are a real estate investor, we want to connect with you. Like our favorite quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson says, every man I meet is my superior in some way, and in that I learn from him. We believe we can learn something from everyone, so even if you are just starting out on your real estate investing journey, head over to the link in the description to connect with us, and we would love to hop on a call with you. Also, be sure to subscribe to the show and follow us on the socials at Top Investor Pod. 
While you're at it, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review so we can help more people become top investors. Until next time, this is Chris Marshall signing off. Go out and become a top investor. See you around.